Welcome to the Pharma Podcast, conversations with industry experts and business leaders about important and current topics in Canadian pharma, biotech, and medtech. I'm your host, Sam Tarantino. My guest today is Ryan Clark, founder of Advocacy Solutions and senior partner at Accelera Canada, where he is responsible for advocacy and stakeholder relations. Ryan will discuss CATA and the streamlined patient and clinician input processes to CATA. Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sam. Great to be here. Uh, So Ryan, for our audience, tell us a little bit about yourself and Advocacy Solutions. Sure. Uh, So uh, Sam, Advocacy Solutions was started uh, almost uh, 18 years ago, and it's a business that is uh, committed to teaching and training people how to be effective advocates on their own behalf. Uh, My background is law, uh, government. I worked uh, in the government of Ontario for a period of time. Uh, I also worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And then, as I said, started this business, which really is focused on empowering uh, patients, caregivers, and clinicians to advocate uh, typically to government and typically in support of uh, publicly funded access to medications here in Canada. Tell us a little bit about the HTA process and, and CADETH. Sure, absolutely. So um, CADETH, as you know, stands for the Canadian Agency for Drugs and Technologies in Health. It is Canada's health technology assessment uh, body, national body. Uh, as you also know, there is a parallel HTA process in Quebec, uh, which I won't touch on today. Uh, but um uh, CADETH is, is um, uh, really responsible for conducting uh, an evaluation of the clinical, economic, uh, patient, and clinician evidence on drugs and uses these evaluations to provide uh, reimbursement recommendations uh, to the federal, provincial, and territorial uh, public uh, drug plans. This all occurs after Health Canada has approved a medication uh, for sale in, uh, in this country. What role, uh, so Ryan? What what role does does a manufacturer play in the uh, in the HTA process in Canada? So the manufacturers uh, are what are called uh, sponsors. That's that's the term that's used, and um, there are actually three different sponsors who can submit to CADETH. Submit in the sense of saying that they would like a medication reviewed for. Uh, consideration of public reimbursement. So first of all, there are industry sponsors, so pharmaceutical companies. Uh, They're typically the DIN holders for the drug Mm -hmm. being filed. Um, Also, uh, drug programs. So one of the the, uh, public drug programs, uh, Sam, we have 19 public drug programs in Canada. So one of those public drug programs can also submit uh, to CADETH and request that a medication be reviewed. And then on the oncology side, tumor groups uh, in Canada can also submit to CADETH requesting that a particular medication be be considered for review. I understand that um, stakeholders, patients, and clinicians can provide input when a drug is being reviewed by CADETH. Um, Tell us about the history of, of, of those processes. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So um, they are two separate processes. Uh, the first one, uh, patient input, was introduced uh, at CADETH in April of 2011. And that process initially provided patient groups, not individual patients or caregivers initially, but just patient groups, the opportunity to provide input into the CADETH review 
uh, process of a particular drug, both in oncology and non-oncology uh, filings, by filling out a template. They had one for oncology drugs and then a different one for non-oncology products, consisting of a series of, uh, of what we refer to, Sam, as prompting questions. Uh, input was provided prior to commencement of the review and oncology patient groups uh, actually had to register with Cadith to have their input accepted. Non-oncology groups didn't have to register, but oncology groups did have to register. And then around 2016, uh, a couple of changes came into effect. For the first time, uh, individual, patients, individual patients and caregivers could provide input where no patient group existed. And secondly, on the oncology side, um, known as PCODER, the Pan-Canadian Oncology Drug Review, patient groups were given a second chance to provide input. It's actually called feedback after Cadith issued an initial recommendation uh, on, a, on a drug review. So that's kind of a bit of the history on the, on the patient group side. Um, on the clinician side, uh, that opportunity first arose, uh, formal opportunity first arose in February of 2016. And clinicians only on the oncology side initially uh, were permitted to provide uh, input and only physicians, even though they use the term clinicians, it was only physicians, um, could provide input when it first opened back then. It provided individual physicians or groups of physicians. Um, and when I say groups, by the way, it could be a formal group, it could be an informal group the opportunity to provide input into the CADETH review process of a particular cancer drug, again, like on the patient side, by filling out a template consisting of a comparable series of prompting questions. Uh, that input was provided prior to the commencement of the review and feedback was provided after the issuance of an initial recommendation. So again, they had, clinicians had two opportunities to comment. Initially, when the review was undertaken and then after the first uh, recommendation or what's called the initial recommendation was made uh, by Cadith. And importantly, uh, physicians had to register uh, with Cadith in order to be um, uh, have their input considered. And then finally, in 2018, the definition of clinician was expanded to include oncology pharmacists and oncology nurses. So it sounds like there have been some significant changes in the way patient groups and, and clinician groups uh, now provide um, input to Cadeth. Um, can you tell us more about these new streamlined uh, processes? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what I just went through with you was kind of a history that brought us up to about uh, middle of last year or, or sort of the fall of last year. And then in September and October uh, of 2020, CADIS significantly streamlined uh, both the oncology and the non-oncology um, uh, input processes for patients and, um, and clinicians. So, I'll, and I'll hit just some of the highlights, Sam, of, of sort of some of the new pieces, and then we can sort of dig into it a bit more. Um, number one, there's now a single patient input template for both oncology and non-oncology Review. So there's not one template for patients in, in cancer and one in non-cancer. It's now one single template. Uh, secondly, there's an opportunity for patient groups to provide both upfront input and feedback to an initial recommendation for both oncology and 
and non-oncology reviews. You recall that they used to patients used to be able to provide two moments of input in oncology, but not in non-oncology. Now they can provide it across both. Patient groups don't have to register um, anymore, and individual patient input is still allowed when there is no applicable uh, patient uh, group here in uh, Canada. On the clinician side, submissions can now be made by by clinicians in the non-oncology space on the non-oncology space. And Sam, this is the probably the most significant change in the reforms from from late last year. Clinicians can now provide input in the non-oncology space. Again, using a common template, uh, but they must be done these these submissions. These they must be done by groups or associations of healthcare professionals. Individual clinician submissions will now only be accepted when there is no relevant group or association. And that's really, uh, for me, a, a fascinating change because when the clinician input process was founded back in February 2016, it was very much founded on the premise that individual clinicians would provide individual submissions. That has turned 180 degrees. Now, Cadith really wants clinicians to come together, either as formal or informal groups, uh, to provide submission. Uh, again, all submissions um, by clinicians uh, will uh, have an opportunity to provide input both upfront as well as feedback to an initial recommendation. And finally, uh, there is no longer a registration requirement for individual physicians who want to participate uh, or anyone else. So no more registration requirement uh, is, um, is in effect at Cadeth. Can you tell us why you think it's important for patient groups and, and clinician groups to take advantage of these input opportunities? Well, I, I, I do think it's important because it really does represent an opportunity for greater uh, transparency and greater input. Uh, we know, for example, that Cadith uh, very much encourages this kind of, of input. Uh, their own materials reflect the fact that uh, on the patient group side, for example, um, they believe that the patient perspective improves the quality of the reimbursement reviews, and I would have to uh, agree with that. It really helps the, the, the experts who are deliberating to better understand, and this is, this is in the Cadith material, Sam, to better understand the nature of the disease, uh, to identify the health outcomes that are particularly of important, uh, importance to patients. They also want to understand the diversity of needs amongst patients, uh, and uh, th and that's important, and including subpopulations here in Canada. And then um, they also want to identify potential issues around patients' abilities to use and access uh, the drugs under review. So we really think it's important. I think it's important, and I believe that Cadith does too in their stated materials that when you have patients, and 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 I should say by the way, it's not just patients; it's also caregivers. When you have patients and caregivers engaged in this exercise, then it really does add to the transparency, uh, accountability, and credibility of the of the recommendations being made. Mm -hmm. Now that's on now Sam. That's on the patient side. On the on the physician side, um, it's it's comparable. Uh, I think that again, Cadith wants to hear from clinicians. They want to. Um, I think it provides greater legitimacy, just like when 
patients provide input or patient groups provide input provides greater legitimacy uh, when you have clinicians providing input uh, into into this process. And so that's why I believe fundamentally that Cadith has opened up the um, the opportunity now for all clinicians in oncology and non-oncology to, to provide that input. So based on on your experience, what makes a good patient group input submission and and the same question for you know what makes a good clinician group input submission? So on the patient group side, um, the Cadith has done a, a a good job of providing um, a uh, a guidance document that's available on their website that you know sort of more or less answers this question. But based on my experience, um, I think it all starts with the input. Mm-hmm. So Cadith encourages patient groups to go out and get input from patients and caregivers. So it's a patient group from their members or supporters or whoever these whoever these people are. So we often recommend starting with a survey. It can be an online survey uh, in which you ask your, again, supporters uh, a series of questions. Those questions should reflect the content that is specifically being requested in the template that the patient group needs to fill out to submit to Cadith. And that's relatively straightforward uh, in terms of what, uh, of, of what can be done. Second way that uh, they, they can be really done uh, in a robust manner is through um, uh, patient uh, interviews, uh, often telephone interviews. And those telephone interviews, Sam, often focus on patients specifically who have experience with the drug that's under review. Uh, let's say the medication has been available in Canada through a compassionate program or more likely through a clinical trial or something like that, um, then uh, a telephone interview can be very effective. An important thing to note here, too, is that patient groups are allowed to um, solicit input from patients who live outside of Canada. And in fact, patient groups from outside of Canada are allowed to make, allowed to make submissions to CADETH. And the reason why it's broad like that is because Cadith wants to hear from uh, patients under uh, who've had experience with the drug under review and oftentimes um, will be in a situation where the drug under review uh, has never been used by any Canadians. There was never a clinical trial here, for example, or something like that. So they allow a tremendous amount of leeway for patients to go out internationally and look for um, individuals who have experience with the medication and be able to uh, and be able to uh, uh, provide that uh, input as well. So, so it starts with sort of the content that you have uh, that to work with uh, as a as a patient organization. Once you have that content, then I think the I think the next key to a to a good submission is one that um, is well written. And maybe that goes without saying, um, but the more succinct, the more focused. And in some ways, uh, the more repetitive, the better. In other words, uh, we, we suggest that, that um, patient groups consider having some key messages, if you will, that sort of resonate throughout their submission and that make it very, very clear what the patient group's position is on the content that is being requested by Cadith, uh, the information that's being uh, requested by, uh, by Cadith. So... Uh, and I, and we know that Cadith appreciates 
uh, information that is, is succinct and uh, is focused. Uh, quotes are something that Cadith also encourages, actual quotes from patients and caregivers that can be incorporated. They don't want you know, piles of them, but certainly having some quotes in there uh, can be very effective and, um, and very, much, uh, very much appreciated. So that's on the patient side. Let's flip over now to the to the uh, to the clinician side, Sam. Um, on the clinician side, uh, the key there, I think, is really to ensure that as many clinicians in a therapeutic area or clinicians that treat this uh, that particular disease or that use or have had experience with a particular drug under review provide input again, often through a survey process. Uh, not so much interviews, but definitely through a survey process. So um, in a rare disease, for example, where you might have a very, very small or a very, very finite group of clinicians who um, treat this, this disease, uh, let's say there's 12 of them in Canada, which is not unrealistic in some circumstances, um, a good submission by a, by a clinician group would try to get all 12 or as many of those clinicians as possible to uh, provide input and to sign on to that particular submission. And then that would send a very clear message, for example, to Cadith that this community um, thinks this medication is important enough to provide commentary on and that they are somewhat united, presumably, in what it is that they have to, to say about it. So on the on the clinician side, uh, in addition to all the stuff I talked about on the patient side, you know, surveys, well written quotes, that kind of thing. Um, I think it's important that you have as good a representation from the clinician community, particularly the prescribing clinician community, uh, as possible to ensure a really good and robust um, uh, submission by by those clinicians. So. After Cadeth issues a, a final recommendation around whether a drug should be publicly funded or not, is there a process for patient groups, clinician groups, uh, to continue to be engaged? Uh, there sure is, uh, but that's, uh, that's likely a whole other uh, podcast, uh, Sam. But yes, there definitely is. It does not, it does not end with the Cadeth review process. But um... We'll have you on again. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> so one final thought, um, these, uh, streamlined processes, are they good? Are they good for patients or patient groups? I think they are. I think they're good for patient groups and I think they're good for clinicians. Um, you know, you can tell a little bit from the history that I, I shared with you earlier on that, um, when Cadith initially started, as the HTA body in uh, Canada, uh, there was no opportunity for patients, caregivers, clinicians to provide input. Then they moved into allowing uh, patient groups to do so, and then clinicians, and now they've really sort of completed, in my opinion, uh, to some extent, the, um, the pool around uh, input. So all patient groups now, oncology, non-oncology, it's been that way for a while, but now all clinicians in oncology, non-oncology, and clinicians um, is a relatively uh, robust group. 
So I think the more input that is um, uh, requested from um, uh, people like patients and caregivers and, and clinicians, uh, the more opportunity there is for input. Remember, there's not just input when the submission goes in, but there's input now on the initial recommendation by CADIS, so two points of input. That's an expansion. Really does represent uh, progress. I, I see this as a pathway to greater transparency, a pathway to greater input, which I believe is a good thing. Uh, for us as Canadians, because this is our HTA body. We're all impacted by the recommendations uh, that are made here. And so I see us having made a lot of progress. Uh, and now we will continue, I hope, to make it even more transparent moving into the, into the future. Brian, thank you. Thank you for your time. How can the audience connect with you? Uh, well, probably the easiest way to be uh, to connect with me would be to uh, uh, send me an email. Um, my email, I have a couple of email addresses. Um, I can be reached at uh, ryan at advocacy solutions, that's solutions with an S, dot CA. And of course, I can also be reached uh, through my uh, email address at Accelera Canada, that is ryan.clark, that's Clark with an E at AccelerCanada, all one word, dot com. Contact details for Ryan are also available on our website at thepharmapodcast.ca. Thank you for listening. This podcast can be found on our website at thepharmapodcast.ca. The Pharma Podcast is also available to listen to for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Thank you to our sound engineer, Errol Francis. Please subscribe and follow me on LinkedIn to stay up to date on future podcasts. If you would like to be a guest on this podcast, or if there is a topic we should cover in future episodes, please connect with me via LinkedIn. 